Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello and welcome to My Business Playbook. Thank you for joining us today. Now, our guest today is the host of one of Australia's top charting podcasts. I'm so excited to introduce you to Sophie Walker of Australian Birth Stories. Now, at the time of this recording, Australian Birth Stories has had over 4 million downloads and released over 215 episodes. Sophie has amassed an Instagram following of over 100,000 people who are mostly women who want to hear inspiring birth stories. You're in for a real treat today because we are going to be getting an inside look into how Sophie has built her business from her home in Melbourne. We talk about her practical Instagram strategies and her podcast strategies and how she launched one of Australia's most successful podcasts, kind of by accident. Now let's dive straight into my conversation with Sophie Walker of Australian Birth Stories. Thank you so much, Sophie, for joining us today. It's so good to have you with us. So today we're going to talk all things Australian birth stories, and I know you have so much wisdom to share with our audience. But firstly, can you tell us a bit about Australian birth stories and what you do and how you actually started? Sure. So thanks so much for having me. It's a delight to be on another show and not be the interview. But so I've got a podcast, Australian Birth Stories, and I started that in um, 2017. So I'm in my fifth year of doing the show. And I interview women each week about yeah their pregnancy journey and, and how they gave birth and how the birth unfolded. Yeah, so my background is public health. I've got a master's in public health and a yeah, real interest in women's health. And I kind of fell into this podcast, which then became a business. And yeah, and that's what I'm doing full time at the moment while wrangling three little kids. <laughs> yeah, no, no small feat that, that you're, you're kind of wrangling all the kids and all the, all the other stuff. At what point, you know, starting the podcast, and I love your story because it feels like you started the podcast and then you realised – oh, this is actually a business. What was that process like? And was there a moment where you realized, oh, this is, this is kind of legit. And, and now I've got this business that supports me financially. Yeah, it is. I always just joke that I've done it all backwards. I feel like everyone's now, <laughs> like it's the, all the rage to have a podcast now, but people have kind of built a business and then they're making a podcast to promote the business. And I felt like I did it sort of totally backwards. So I was working, <laughs> um, I was working part time and I had yeah, two children at the time. I was working at the Cancer Council and I loved podcasts. So I'd listen to them on my commute. And um, I was joking with a girlfriend, like, she's like, you should just do your own podcast. And I was talking about a birth, an American birth podcast that I loved and she's like do an Aussie one and we sort of laughed and um, she's like yeah maybe you make heaps of money listen to all these ads on the other ones you could just have ads and then bring in an income and we just sort of laughed and then I said all right I'll have a go so I did my birth story and I did my sister's birth story and I really honestly thought um, no one would listen except my mum and few cousins so I cringe (laughs) I can't listen to the early episodes because I just like oh my god I don't even know what I said or how I did it Um, but it grew from there and then I then I 
thought I'll just I just sort of cold emailed a few Instagram people that I knew and asked if they'd do their story and I think women are just so keen to share their birth stories that a lot of people said yes even though they didn't really know me from a bar of soap and I didn't have a huge like I couldn't tell them I had 10,000 listeners a week or anything like that. They just said, sure, yeah, well, I'll record it with you. And so I just started recording over Skype. And um, I guess after, yeah, maybe after six months, I started approaching brands and saying, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? I've, I'm sure I only had like 200 listeners. So I, I think the first ads that I sold were $80 each and they sort of just took a punt and they were all pregnancy related. But it got to a point after maybe a year or a year and a half where I was making the same amount of money from my podcast ads that I was in my part-time job. So I took a bit of a leap and just um, I quit my part-time job and they said, oh, if that doesn't work out, you can always come back so they didn't have much faith in me (laughs) but it was (laughs) handy to have that option but yeah so I did that and I mean my husband was working full-time so it wasn't going to be we weren't completely reliant on my income so there was a little bit of room to move there um yeah but it just sort of grew from there and then the more listeners that I had on the show the more I could charge on the ads and the more yeah the more financially stable it became I guess That's amazing. And I love your story of the first ads you're running, like were 80 80 bucks an ad. Are those ads still in in the podcast? Yeah, they are. So they got their money's worth, (laughs) didn't they? (laughs) They must be like, oh yeah, so stoked. (laughs) I did because I didn't have, and I still don't, which is not very good, but I don't have contracts saying your ad will be in there for till it reaches a certain number of downloads or it will be on there for like 12 months or anything like that. So I think that was um, how I sold it in the beginning. It'll be evergreen and like if I ever take off, it'll be on there forever. And so it did and they're lucky. But it, it, I think it's funny because some of those people that paid $80 are now buying ads for over $2,000. So it was worth their while and they're, um, they're still hanging around. So that's good. Oh, so, so cool. And so I kind of feel like what we really talk about on the – on the show is, you know, we want to make people sound good, of course, (laughs) but we also, what I love hearing are people's missteps, the things that they kind of go, oh man, I did this thing. And if I had my time over, I'd do that totally differently. Do you have any of these missteps that you've taken in Australian birth stories? Do you have any stories you want to tell us about things you, things that you just kind of went, wow, that was weird. And I shouldn't have done it like that. Yeah, I think I did. I definitely did a few things right, which worked in my favor. But I, I binge listened to business podcasts and other podcasters, how other podcasts got going and things like that. And I just heard every in every episode, you know, the money's in the list, you need your own list, you need a lead generator and get your list going and you'll own your list. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. But um, I think it wasn't until really recently, really, until almost the last 12 months that I really put together some freebies or lead generators and started to get my email list going. And it went from like 1,000 subscribers to 17,000 really quickly. And I was like, oh man, if I'd done this three years ago, I'd have a really great list. (laughs) But that is an incredible achievement, like going, that's such a rapid growth for an email list. Yeah, well, I think I created, I spent a lot of time and money in in the freebie. It's a um, perineal massage guide, which isn't for everyone, but for a pregnant woman, it's very, very handy. Um, and yeah. I think everyone wanted to get their hands on that. So I, yeah, I knew what to do, but I just, like most things in my business, it's just me and I'm a mum most of the time. So I'm doing things on the fly and I'm just like, oh, it's on my to-do list, but when am I going to have time to sit down and do that? So it's prioritising things like that. And I think 
I've got a really fantastic Instagram account, but I know that that's, yeah, that I don't own that and Instagram algorithms and things change daily almost. So I was nervous that like if all of those people were lost, I didn't have any way to contact them and now I'm sort of slowly doing that. But I think, yeah, when you hear people say that, start your list, definitely start your list from day one, from the first day you start promoting. Yeah, absolutely. Wise advice. I love that. <laughs> and one thing I love about your journey, Sophie, is that you've you've invested in learning. I love that you listen to other people's podcasts. I know that you're a big fan of Pat Flynn, who is kind of like the OG podcast email marketing guy. So what do you think has been the best investment you've made into your own development as a business owner? And, you know, as someone who's, as you say, kind of reverse engineered this business, what do you think is the best investment? Yeah, I think I spent a thousand dollars on Pat Flynn's course um, in the beginning, and that felt like a, a huge amount of money. And I don't think I told anyone how much I'd spent, um, but I really needed help in setting it up. And he just takes you through step by step. And I know there's a multitude of people you can do that with now, but at that time there wasn't a lot. And I was listening to him every week, and I thought, well, he knows what he's doing, and he's always banging on about smart passive income. And I'm like, that sounds lovely one day to have smart passive income, just <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> making money while you sleep. And um, I thought, well, one day if that happens that'd be great so I yeah I did his course and I did his um, second kind of follow-up podcasting course um, I've also done the the digital picnic I've got a few courses on social media and how to um, yeah use that to to grow your audience and to promote your show so I've done things like that along the way so yeah I've slowly but surely tried to learn everything and I yeah I guess I'm now at a point where it's like oh it's great I could buy that course and learn that skill but maybe I don't have time and it's more appropriate to outsource to a professional yeah. rather than trying to learn all of the skills. So true and I think that's such it's this tipping point isn't it where you realize initially in the DIY startup land you're like I've got to learn Facebook ads. I've got to learn about SEO. I've got to learn about, you know, editing a podcast, all of these things. And then it is this tension of, okay, where is my time best spent? And and actually, how do I make sure I'm leveraging my time into my zones of genius? So for you, like, what are the things that you outsource? What are the things that you are like, oh gosh, I need, I, I get help with that stuff? Oh, this is awkward. This is like my, I, when, um, when COVID, <laughs> just before COVID kicked in, I was going to outsource pretty much everything. I'd hired a nanny and I'd hired a cleaner and I thought I'm going to have two days a week where I actually just work focused without child, without looking after the kids, had childcare organized. And um, I was really going to get on top of things and not do every task in the business myself. Um, then COVID hit. So I had homeschooling and all of those things. So I had to kind of shelf that whole plan until this year. So I'm literally just like next week my nanny starts and I'm trying wow. to yeah create some space to get things done but I really don't I know I just, I really recommend everybody outsource as much as they can and I hear of people having these fantastic virtual VAs and things but until this point I haven't had anyone so I know you can also get like your podcast edited in the Philippines on the cheap and a lot of people do that um, but because the content of my interviews is so personal, um, I just don't feel like I can send off somebody's birth story and breastfeeding journey and things like that to someone who I've never seen before who may not have been pregnant before or, or been in a family environment or had any experience. I just feel like I can't outsource that. So I edit them all myself, which probably is one of the most time-consuming parts of the process for me. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't think I'll outsource that. And I, 
I have a lot of people wanting to come on the show now and I've got so much content I could do more episodes but I'm never going to outsource the actual interviewing either I think that's probably my strongest suit so I'm never going to change that so yeah but all the other bits I can yeah it's time I think to get people to do a lot of the other parts totally and like this week we realized I I had one of the girls Jess who's a content writer she works with us She's incredible. And and we were kind of putting together all the collateral for an episode. And it when I'm doing it myself, I don't realize how long it takes. But then she was doing it and I, she was like, I'm so sorry, this is taking me so long. And I was like, no, I just think that's how long it takes. Like it actually takes a surprising amount of time to like editing aside to pull together all the Instagram posts, the emails that you send out, you know, sending everything to the guests. All of that stuff takes hours it's not a small task so there's so much there that you don't realize like I think in starting you know because we're still new in starting a podcast I just didn't realize how much how many steps there were between interviewing or like pitching to a guest lining them up for an interview which you know that in itself can take ages and then actually recording it editing it sending it off to them so they can post uploading it all, getting all the social media tiles done, all of that stuff. It just takes, it takes a lot of time. So shout out to any podcasters. (laughs) Like it's a big, it's a big job for sure. And I I think, I don't know if you've picked up on it, but a lot of people that are selling podcast courses now are like, it's so easy. Anyone can do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. There are easy components to it, but it's so time consuming if you really want to do it well and capitalize on it. Cause I've done I think I've got nearly 215 episodes now and I feel like wow. I'm, I don't have the time to repurpose the content to share it widely because I'm rolling into the next interview for the following week. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of missed opportunity there. I think we were chatting as well about like sharing sound bites to your episode and that takes so long and can not necessarily get great reach on social platforms. So you have to kind of weigh up whether that's the best use of your time or whether, yeah, I guess now I'm in a position where I should perhaps just pay someone to do that for me so that I'm not spending my time on that but I still have that as an asset I'm not sure yeah and repurposing your you know if you've got 215 interviews like episodes that's insane there's so much gold in those episodes that people would be so keen to revisit so it's it's such a when you start thinking about it it's like kind of unraveling one piece of thread (laughs) and you start to realize oh my gosh there's there's so much more you can be doing as well. It's it's actually crazy. So let's kind of get into the practical advice. I know you're going to have so much practical advice for people in business. In terms of podcasting, you know, because you, you have this chart topping, you're consistently in the top charts for your podcast for Australian Birth Stories. But how do you, how do you actually monetize your podcast and your online brand? How, do, how does that actually work? Um, so asking I'm, for a friend yeah <laughs> wink wink yeah wink um, wink yeah <laughs> yeah well I think because I've been around for a while and I have been able to stay consistently in the top kind of five which is pretty amazing but um I think women are always having babies and my show um has really resonated with Australian women and women overseas so they're sharing it with their pregnant friends as soon as they get pregnant so word of mouth works very nicely for me um but it's gotten to a point now where I'm not kind of cold emailing brands brands are coming to 
me saying, oh, we want to buy, um, you know, a certain number of ads throughout the year and they know when, they've, when they're launching a product or whatever. So I've got a calendar and people have got specific podcast dates locked in. Yeah, probably, I don't know, 50 or 60% of my income comes from the podcast ads. Um, my Instagram account's now over 100,000, so I'm selling space on on Instagram as well. So I have um, paid giveaways and sort of Instagram stories, swipe ups and things like that, that I sell. So I've got a media kit that I can send out to brands with all of that outlined. And about uh, maybe a year and a half ago, I started to sell my own online courses. So um, that's another big, oh, and I've got a, an ebook as well. So those digital products are now a big part of my income as well. So cool. And do you do any paid like Facebook ads or anything like that? on the side with those? Yep, I do now. I've started doing them regularly and I've, I did a course on Facebook ads and there, oh, that's so challenging to get your mind around. And I was mm-hmm. doing ads and not knowing if they were, if I was doing it right or really working out how to measure my returns or anything like that. So I now, I do have that outsourced. So somebody else does my Facebook and Instagram ads, although that's all very up in the air at the moment with all the new privacy laws. And my, my products are really hard to market as well. Facebook advertising doesn't like me because um, if you show a bit of too much skin or a nipple, it um, gets censored. So it's very hard to get my ads approved. So it's nice having that outsourced. Somebody else deals with that problem now. Oh, yeah. And the, there's nothing like getting a, an email from Facebook saying, hey, your ads your ads didn't pass. <laughs> That's the worst. Hours. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And also, like, as a side note, it, there's such a double standard on that because you think about what some of the posts that get approved by Instagram and Facebook where they sh- uh, like people showing so much skin and like I think it's crazy that that there's a bit of a double standard there I think in terms of yeah like a hot chick <laughs> posting yeah, a photo. And it's, it's outlined in their law, in their kind of laws that you can show a woman breastfeeding, that they'll allow that, and you can show um, a baby coming out of a vagina, but when it comes to it, all the bots pick it up, and then by the time you get a person, it just depends who you get looking at your file, and so it's never never a good outcome for me. Yeah, yeah, that's so so frustrating. So for you, like a lot of your a lot of your engagement and a lot of the way you've built Australian birth stories has been organic which has been yeah. incredible. Like what do you think was the tipping point? Like now you're at 100,000 followers or more on Instagram. Was there a point where that skyrocketed or was it, has it been a slow burn the whole time? Like how do you think that that you've grown that to that level? Um, I just definitely has different kind of leaps. You can see, I know from looking at your download list, you see a real spike and like, oh, suddenly like, I don't know, 100,000 people listened in that week or because um, I've, yeah, the show's had 4 million downloads now. So over wow. the time you've looked, I've watched that grow and different, it depends, different people you think will um, do really well. Like sometimes I interview celebrities to try and get sort of free exposure because I don't pay anyone to come on the show. Um, so that's why I, every now and again, people say, oh, I don't want to hear all the celebrities. I want to see, I want to hear from regular mums, but I do have to balance that with um, trying to get exposure. So, but some celebrities you think well everything will yeah move you to the next kind of platform and then nothing happens so it's interesting but then some like micro influencers that have really great engaged audience and people just want to hear everything about them do really well but 
the most downloaded episode that I've got is a lady who, yeah, she's not an Instagrammer or anything like that, but she accidentally had a baby at home in her driveway. So that's my most listened to episode. So it's oh. funny what <laughs> I never expected that to be the most popular, but it's funny what people go for. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's insane. And so in starting a podcast, you must get so many questions from people because your podcast has been such a success. You must get a lot of questions from people going, how did you do this? Like, teach me your ways kind of thing. But what do you think has been, is the biggest myth when starting a podcast? Probably that it's easy. I don't find it easy. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I really enjoy it, but it's, yeah. And I find it hard. I don't have a very good elevator pitch. I, I seem to just say, oh, I do a podcast when anyone asks me at school pickup and I don't really say much else about it. But it, I kind of it sounds like a hobby now because more people are doing a podcast, but I should just say, oh, I've got a business in um, pregnancy and childbirth education. I need to like repitch myself there. But um, yeah, I think people just think you just can do it with your laptop and you just buy a microphone, but it's, it's really all that marketing and all, well, what we've touched on already, I guess it's all the stuff that comes after you've hit record and you've banked it into your mp3s but um it's all the next step so I mean if you want to record something and you don't mind who listens to it and you're just happy with 10 friends then that's fine but if you really want to um get it out to a wide audience and make it a career and make money out of it then it's yeah huge amount of work and takes quite a long time yeah to build that up for sure I believe that if you can market your business you can grow your business So if you're a small business owner wondering why the heck your business isn't growing or you're wanting to take it to the next level, then my marketing playbook is for you. In this course that's designed especially for small business owners, we cover everything from social media, email list building, messaging, website, design, copywriting, Facebook ads, and more. The waitlist for My Marketing Playbook is now open and you can sign up to get first access at mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash course. I hope to see your name in there because I know this is going to help you grow your business. So for someone who wants to start a podcast and, you know, doesn't, is kind of nervous about how their voice sounds online or like in a recording or actually interviewing people, what would be your top tips for, for actually interviewing and drawing the, the kind of responses from your, the person you're interviewing? Um, well, in my feedback that I've received, people love my approach in that I let people tell their own story and I don't interrupt too much. I just let them, I leave long pauses for them to think of the next part and just really get engrossed in retelling their birth because often women just kind of go into the zone and it flows out. But after the interview, people say, oh, that was so lovely and just felt natural to talk to you as if no one else was listening. It was just um, the two of us having a coffee and chatting. So I, I think kind of in my style of show, less is more, just letting them tell their story. And it, often if you interject and say, oh, did you use this product or something like that, then it throws them off of where their mind was naturally going. And um, yeah, my style of show is just a real storytelling um, format. So definitely trying to bite my tongue, which I do. And I think I, I have a real mixture of birth experiences on the show and I, that's really important to me to not be judgmental. So I think people who know me well will think when somebody says that they chose to do a certain thing, they'll think, oh my God, Sophie wouldn't have agreed with that. But I never kind of say, oh, that's, yeah, I don't add my own input or judgment in throughout the story. And I think that's what people really enjoy about my show. 
Yeah, and and I guess it's so personal, isn't it? Like there's, uh, I guess a birth would be, you know, it's so full of emotion. You you can't really make a judgment or extra comment. I guess it would be letting people have space. I think is such a good strategy as well for interviewing. What would you say to someone who was like, "Oh, I'm worried that like my voice will sound funny." I don't I haven't met anyone who enjoys listening to their own voice and I don't li- <laughs> yeah. enjoy hearing mine. I don't listen to my own interviews after I've done them. Like I probably won't listen to this <laughs> because you go, "Oh, why did I say that?" And I think in the very beginning I edited a lot of ums and things out and um over the, I mean I've been doing it nearly 5 years. I still say um a lot and I take it out of guests if they do it a lot. I try, try and edit it back just to make it for easier listening. But I've I've gotten a little bit more relaxed in the way that I edit because I just want it to sound organic. And if you make it all very cut tight and there's no gaps or there's no kind of size or anything like that, then it feels a bit sort of staged. So I think, and I think people like that nowadays a bit more, yeah, like bloopers and kind of more organic and makes you seem like you're human rather than a really polished kind of version of yourself. I think yeah. though I I love podcasts like Tim Ferriss's show and at the start he does like these big kind of intros to people and goes through their whole history and things like that and that's not the nature of my show but I don't really do any background information and I I usually just skim read their birth or I say to them quickly so did you have a cesarean or what, what kind of birth did you have and then I just let them tell the story so I'm naturally surprised by what happens in the story which I think is nice as well but it's not it's not the kind of everybody's approach like I think most people would go into an interview knowing all the ins and outs of their guests so that they can ask appropriate questions but I kind of do that backwards as well (laughs) (laughs) no I love that because I often think like my my first couple of episodes I realized I kept saying I had a filler word and I can't remember what it was uh, I can't remember what it was. I kept saying, you know, and it was like me, oh, it was yeah. me thinking, but wanting to fill the space. Yeah. And I would f- like physically write on a notepad whilst I was recording. Don't say, you know, like, cause they don't know, <laughs> like they probably don't know what I'm about to say. Cause I don't even know what I'm about to say. So it was just this funny thing of listening back to yourself. It's like, Oh, like, gosh, that just, why did I say it like that? And, you know, if it were a live interview, you'd just be like, oh, okay, well that's done awesome I think that went well and then (laughs) but when it's recorded you know and I realized very quickly I can't edit these things like my brother edits them thankfully and he's awesome but I'm like I can't I can't edit them I'm too close to it I would I would cut out every um that I say or every time I say totally or so good and I just like (laughs) too much too much of it yeah so yeah you can definitely overthink the editing so that's probably good that you've outsourced that early Yeah, absolutely. So on like, if we kind of change gears for a sec, so you said that you're a mom of three, you're kind of doing school pickup, you're you're editing everything yourself, you're you're doing a lot yourself, and you've outsourced a bunch as well. How do you actually balance motherhood, marriage, business, and managing a chart-topping podcast? How does that kind of look for you? Late nights, really, and weekend work, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm, yeah, I'm really trying to make that change. And yeah, as I said, I tried to change that last year, but COVID had other ideas. So this year, I'm really trying to create some boundaries. I've even, uh, I haven't done it yet, but I hope to put like an out of office reply on my emails because I just, I think with the nature of online stuff too, with Instagram and things, I'm always on and I'm never not working. Mm. And then you're on Instagram and you see somebody do something, you think, oh, I should do that for my business. And then my mind totally goes into work mode. And I have trouble really 
sort of separating the two. And I think with Instagram too, often like the busiest traffic time is between like 7.30 and 8 o'clock and that's when I should be reading to my children and I do. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I need to post in 10 minutes, can they just go to sleep? <laughs> um, and things like that. So I do a lot of stuff on the fly whereas I need to really create boundaries. I, I mean, I could have those Instagram posts pre-written and I'm ready to go and I just click one button but I don't. I usually do them kind of... Yeah, as I think of them and and what inspires me in the moment rather than having a marketing strategy behind like what I should be promoting that day. But I mean, apart from Monday evenings, I'm always promoting that day's episode. So I I have that rhythm, but I'm not good. My husband's forever saying, get off your phone. And I'm saying I'm working and um, he enjoys the money coming in, but he doesn't enjoy me always working and always having my mind elsewhere. So I'm working hard to kind of create that balance. But it's um, at the same time in saying that I'm so lucky that I can take my kids to and from school and my middle child started prep last week. So I was able to kind of do weird hours of drop him off for two hours and pick him up. And so having that flexibility around family has been really, really great, which is kind of why I kind of went into it. But yeah, so it's a double-edged sword, really. It's all, it's always on, but also flexible, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so for you with Instagram, how do you, how do you actually manage, because you'd be getting so many messages and so many inquiries and, and questions. How do you actually manage that? Do you have a system for managing your DMs or your comments and all of that? Not really. I just want to have a minute, I jump in and answer things. But I think because people listen to the show every week and it's a lovely compliment, they feel like they know me and they really trust me. So they ask me random things that they could definitely have just Googled and I'm get to a point where I'm like, <laughs> you could just look that up. And I'm sure I did mention it or it's probably in the show notes, but I think I've kind of in a sales mentality too, you always want to give and then, um, and then hope that it comes back to you one day in a sale. So I really have answered every DM. But the other day I, I got to a point where I had, I don't, I think it gets to like 200 DMs and it just says 200 plus. And I just felt really overwhelmed and I just was like, oh, I just cleared them all. So I don't know what was in there in the end, but I just couldn't have that many people needing a response from me because I feel like the kids are yelling at me and now there's like all these people in DMs. And yeah, I do get overwhelmed and I don't have, I know people kind of designate an hour to write back and I, yeah, I'm working towards those kind of structures. So you're just like, I'm going to give all my time and energy in and respond rather than do them when I'm in the supermarket line waiting at Woolies, just like, oh, I'll just answer a few now while I'm here and I'm bored. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I don't schedule my posts or anything like that. So, and they're all fantastic things that I think everyone should be doing, but I haven't kind of set it up for myself. And it's, it's missed opportunities and things doing it that way. So you feel stressed and you're also not moving yourself forward the way that you need to in your business as well. So... And I guess it's hard too, because probably a lot of like what you're saying, like even outsourcing the editing for you to outsource, you know, the social media, that would be really hard because as you say, it's very, you want to make sure that the the person that would be looking after that would understand the nuance of the stories and, and really have this expertise that you have so it's kind of tricky isn't it when people are in this space where they are the face of it they're the kind of expert in that in that zone for to outsource any of that it gets a little tricky you know and I think I've worked with people in finance and and people in these specialist industries where you know back when we were managing social media people would ask these questions and via you know, DM or Facebook requests or whatever. And I would be like, um, 
I think I'm supposed to respond to this. <laughs> I have no idea what, like, I don't understand the technical side of it because that's not my, you know, if someone asked me about marketing, 100%, I, I, I could tell them, talk, you know, forever about that. But, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing to outsource that part of your business when it's your expertise. Yeah, and whether, I mean, I sometimes too now have started writing back some, like, quick replies that are a little bit blunt and I'm like from the ABS team when I've written it myself (laughs) but I don't want them to think that I'm just don't I'm not giving them the time of day but yeah so I guess that's a bit like you know fake it till you make it with I'll send that through to accounts but really you're on accounts and you're doing that yourself (laughs) (laughs) totally yes I totally totally do that that's great (laughs) so last couple of questions for you A lot of our community are small business owners, solo entrepreneurs, like budding podcasters. They're juggling all everything. What is your biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started? Oh, it's hard. I I guess you kind of want to know stuff, but then if I knew it, maybe I wouldn't have kept going and doing it. (laughs) So I don't know. Um, (laughs) It's like, this is going to be terrible. You don't want to really going to stress you you out. You'll be crying at 10 p.m. It's overwhelming when it's all on use. And and it'll be great in an ideal world if when you started your own business, you could have a team of people that wanted to hear all your boring stuff of like, oh, today I made this on my webpage and I think it's really going to do well because you find that no one else cares and your husband soon stops listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> it can be really lonely and I still find it really lonely and um, and I get really worked up over certain things that, yeah, that nobody else see has that kind of emotional response to. And when you're not in a team or like an office environment, um, it's hard. So I think oh, probably in saying that the best thing to do is to have other people in small businesses that you're friends with and often that starts with online you sort of make friends with people that are in similar fields and or you you make friends with the kind of people that are copywriters or whatever that you've touched base with throughout your journey and and they understand what it's like being lonely and making all these big decisions and trying to teach yourself all of the different things um, when you haven't got much money and you're stressed so I think that's probably that you creating a community whether that's in real life or online life um, I know we were chatting like are you guys really friends you and somebody else or are you just Instagram <laughs> friends it's yeah and, yes. and they kind of bleed into one but yeah you definitely need someone who is willing to listen to you moan about the struggles I guess <laughs> absolutely and and you're so right it does get lonely and especially in the online space because you kind of have this it's weird you kind of have this feeling of oh, like there's this community of people who I connect with every single day that I give a lot out to. But then it's interesting to kind of think, where do I get kind of input and where do I actually get people helping me, you know? So I can imagine that combined with being a mum would be huge, like a lot of output and and potentially not as much input for yourself or or things that, you know, kind of re-energize you as well. Yeah. And I think with your own business too, whenever I have child-free time or anything like that, then I work. So yeah, dedicating time to like exercise and hobbies and things like that is somewhere where I really need to um, put in the work. So if you could set that up for yourself early in the beginning, having kind of work time like anybody else would who went to like a nine to five, you've got designated work time, you've got family time, and then you've got actual time for just things that you enjoy yourself and not, not just your business because it's your passion, because you need kind of have you need to separate them absolutely and and particularly with Instagram like having boundaries on that 
because you can feel like you're accessible at all times and it's it's really easy as a kind of reflex. I find I've recognized that when I get stressed or if I'm avoiding something, I will instinctively pick up my phone and, and look at Instagram. And because for me, it's like, well, this is kind of work, but it's actually not helpful. And it it can kind of, if I'm not in a good mental state, it can kind of make me go, oh crap. Like now I'm, like you said before, like now I'm looking at other people and what they're doing and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I need to do that. I need to do more video content. I need to do more emails. I need to do more stuff. And I think recognizing that building a business, I don't think there's anything, like, I don't think overnight success exists. I think it takes time. It takes a lot of hours. It takes a lot of, um, I think it's a lot of blood, sweat and tears, to be honest. And, and I think that the reality of it, it's so helpful to know that, but more so to not, not freak you out or not to make you go, oh gosh, I don't want to do that now because it sounds hard, but more to give you actually encourage you for when the times are tough you can actually know okay I I should kind of expect things to be occasionally sometimes it's going to be tough and that's okay it doesn't mean I'm stuffing my whole thing up it doesn't mean I'm I'm terrible at what I do it's just sometimes it's hard so yeah yeah. definitely and I think it's hard that um instability as well like you think things are going well you never kind of give yourself the opportunity well I don't to go oh this is working really well and I'm established now so I can relax a bit rather than kind of chasing 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 trying to maintain your number one position kind of thing I think there's that fear that it'll all end overnight when you've got your own business and particularly with online stuff like somebody else will bring out something that's similar and a bit better and um so you've always got that underlying anxiety of like will it be sustainable long-term I find yeah that that is so true and also like and I mean I feel like with success there's probably this thing of I don't know if we'll ever arrive at this moment where we think oh my gosh I have just got it made (laughs) like I have arrived you know I don't feel like that that's I think it's always evolving you know once we reach one milestone we'll be looking to the next and I guess that's applicable for life in general but I think we're always in pursuit of okay well great now we've reached that what's the next thing and yeah it's it it can be tiresome that side of it for sure yeah so final question for you what you're full of so much wisdom and I love talking to you because you're so real and honest and I know that everyone who's listening to this will be finding this really inspiring and encouraging because you, you've built something incredible. The fact that you've got this really amazing podcast that's consistently like top of the charts is amazing and such a feat. And, you know, it's such an inspiration to me as someone who's starting out. It's really incredible that you're, you're here talking with us, but also the fact that you're still so real and and humble. I think you've done such an incredible job with everything you've done with Australian birth stories. Oh, so, thank you. Oh, well, thank you for joining us. It's so, so good. So what's next for Australian birth stories? What, what can people expect to come from you? I'm making a birth education course as we speak. So um, that will be my next big, well, it's my current big project, but my next big launch will be um, that. And I'm sort of, yeah, listening to everybody's births and having been through three of my own, I'm creating um, my dream birth course to cover everything. So um, that should be coming out 
um, in the coming months. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. But you can um, find out all the information if you want to over at australianbirthstories.com. Amazing. And where can people find you on Instagram and where can people find your podcast? Yep, I'm Australian Birth Stories on Instagram and Facebook and the podcast is on every good podcast app. But um, you can check me out on Apple Podcasts or yeah, Stitcher, Spotify, all those regular ones. So good. Well, thank you, Sophie. You are incredible. Thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to see your um, your birth course. I mean, I probably won't do it until I have a kid. <laughs> but, yeah, don't get it you now. <laughs> know, I think that might be like one of those things if like, if you knew everything that was going to happen in your business, you probably wouldn't start a business. If I, if I did that course before I have a kid, I probably won't. <laughs> I might be like, no, thanks. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Cross that bridge when you're pregnant. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'll I'll be talking to you when that when that day comes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Sophie. So there you have it. That is the play by play for this week. I love Sophie's business and I love the way that she is so honest and authentic about her business journey. And I know that if you're listening to this, you would have found that so helpful. Now, if you're looking for any of the links that we mentioned today, head on over to our show notes. You'll find everything you need in there. And if you want to continue the conversation or the party, then head on over to our Facebook group. Just search My Business Playbook and we will greet you with joy. Now, music from today is by the wonderful Jake Scott. You can listen to his music on Spotify and Apple Music. As always, thank you for listening to My Business Playbook. And if you love it, would you please subscribe, review, send it to your family group chat, whatever you do. That would be so, so appreciated. I'll catch you next week. Same time, same place. Go get them. ask you next (laughs) um oh i had a good question for you oh that's all right we'll come back (laughs) i can't remember what i was gonna ask you oh you've got it's totally gone very impressive one of your questions on the list says um how do you balance motherhood marriage business oh yeah let's i don't know let's do that yes thank you oh i was gonna ask you about interviewing (laughs) That's what I was going <laughs> oh, yeah, to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll put that in as a blooper at the end. That's great. Um, so for someone who wants to start a podcast,